welcome back to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, it is week one. It is Bill's week. How you feeling, buddy? Football has returned. We're back. Finally. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> after... God, the football offseason is just so long, and it really... It really kind of drags on at certain points. So to finally get real live football with actual Jets players back after God knows how long, I could not be happier. We'll see if my mood is the same on Tuesday. I don't know yet. This is still a toss-up game. But right now, 0-0. Zero and zero. Hopes could not be – I got I got my hopes up. Let's just hope they don't Jets it up this time. So before we discuss how they could potentially Jets it up against the Buffalo Bills, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcast, we are there. We are on YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. We got all of our podcasts on YouTube. We got all of our little shorts on there and TikTok. Go and check us out. Justin, it's good this week, too, because there was no Corey Davis surprise retirement during the during the <laughs> intro. But Not yet. We we it, well. <laughs> before we get into it, let me just do a quick little uh, message here from our friends sure. over at uh, Caesar Sportsbook. Caesar Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season with a new bet 50. Get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code FSBETS20GET. That's FSBETS20GET. And redeem $250 in bonus bets after you place your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one. $50 in bonus bet credit each week. Over the next five weeks, make sure to enter FSBETS20GET and sign up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal and gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Now, Justin, before we get into the bills, we had some television, we had a television series conclude that, that we did. The New York Jets quite prominently. I know you had some thoughts on that. Wait, wait, Garrett, Garrett Wilson just retired. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, don't you? Yeah. Hey, that's that's mean. That's mean. That's strike no, one no, for you, buddy. <laughs> to this point, no Jets wide receiver news, so that's great. But yeah, we we had Hard Knocks conclude last night. We got a great show. First of all, we're talking Hard Knocks. We're previewing everything Jets Bills. We're doing some bold predictions for the upcoming season. We got a lot going on, but let's talk about Hard Knocks first, Mike. You are right because last night was the season finale of Hard Knocks, and I I, I genuinely really really enjoyed the series. Um, I. I can't say honestly, and I, maybe this is this is a bad thing as an NFL fan. I have not watched a lot of previous seasons of Hard Knocks. I've seen. Clips oh, I haven't of, either. So yeah, I've watched episodes. So this was like other than the the first time the Jets were in it. This was my first time watching a full season of Hard Knocks, and I really, really did enjoy it. And I want to talk about first. I, I think the Jets were absolutely right making the, making the decision to not show players get cut. I know it was controversial at the time, but now looking back, especially after what we saw in that final episode. I don't think anybody can say it wasn't the right decision. And I hope this is the president moving forward because we didn't get to see guys getting cut. I mean, they, we still had like the Tanzel smart uh, highlight of, of showing him after he was released. Thankfully he is back on the practice squad. He is still with the team, but instead we got to see guys like Jason Brownlee and Xavier Gibson get kind of the opposite. Like they go in, they talk to Robert Sala, they talk to Joe Douglas. And instead of getting told, Hey, you're off the team. And it, you know, they got cameras shoved in their faces at like the lowest point of their lowest point of their professional careers. Hey, your football but, career is over. Care to comment? Like, right. Like it's, it's awful to see that instead. Instead, we got the complete opposite. We got to see the the jubilation, the excitement, the the relief on their 
their faces when they were told, hey, you made the team. Hey, you're undrafted and you still made this 53-man roster. So I think that was just awesome on the Jets' part for doing that. And I know I think people have pointed this out on Twitter as well. It's personal for Joe Douglas because I don't know how many Jets fans know this or realize it, but Joe Douglas was actually on the first ever season of Hard Knocks with the Baltimore Ravens in 2001. He was on that show when he was a scout for the Ravens. He was the Turk, as they called him, which basically what that meant is his job was to tell the players, hey, go talk to the coach. And if that happened, it meant you were getting cut. And so he played a decent sized role in that first season as just a regular young scout. He looks very, I mean, you could still hear his voice, but he looks a lot younger, thinner. No offense to him now. Uh, what the hell? What? He looks, because what you do you want today? He's like a stick. You wouldn't recognize him. Like you, I'm, I have to say that, but and it's not, not bad, obviously not a bad thing. Just pointing it out. Um, but it's personal for him because he kind of, he saw the ugly side of the business and he saw the ugly side of hard knocks because it's, it's discouraging and it's disheartening. And it, it really breaks your heart when you see all these players who, for some of them, this might be their final opportunity at their dream. And it sucks to see their dreams get crushed like that. So instead, the Jets kind of you know, put their foot down, even though they were forced to do hard knocks. NFL films and HBO were basically, I would say, for the betterment of a working relationship with the Jets. We're like, all right, sure, we're not going to show players get cut. And I think it was absolutely the right decision because we didn't see players getting their dreams crushed. We got to see their dreams made. And I, I absolutely think that was the right decision to take the season. Even as a as a cynical person, I will say that myself, like, how could you look at a guy like, let's just say Trey D. I know he's back on the practice squad, but like, he didn't know that immediately after like watching him with his, you know, his face in his hands, all sad and sulking, like feeling this. How is that more entertaining and compelling television than looking at a guy like Xavier Gibson who went to Stephen F. Austin? He was a freaking lumberjack for four years and now he's a New York Jet. Like Stephen that, Austin, for those who don't know, that's their team, Lumberjacks. Yes, people, he was not an actual Lumberjack. Yeah, some people might think you're saying he's a, he was an actual Lumberjack. Wasn't that guy in the – didn't the Eagles draft a guy who was like a fireman or something like that, and then he washed out of the league? Maybe. All I know is that the Jets got two Lumberjacks on their roster because they got John Frank. Yes, they do. So how – I'm just saying, like, look at what happened with Xavier Gibson or even like a Jason Brownlee or some of the other guys. How do you look at that negative stuff, like watching their careers just – Vastly, it's like Thanos turning their career to dust, like just poof, gone, football career gone. How is that better than what the Jets did? Like, I, I really like that because that was honestly my number one complaint. If you go way back to when they kind, it kind of looked like the Jets were going to be on Hard Knocks, that was one of my big complaints. Was that they were just doing this like trauma porn, this misery focusing? I didn't like that. And they finally they focused on the positive aspects and some of the cast of characters, even though. I think there are two names that I in particular and a lot of Jets Twitter are a little bit upset they didn't focus on a lot. And again, a lot of it is you just have to sacrifice it on the the altar of Aaron Rodgers because obviously Aaron Rodgers got to get you know a ton of play. But I'm looking at number one, Ron Middleton, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me because every year there's like an assistant coach who, I mean, you ask 100 NFL fans, I mean, 98 of them don't know who Ron Middleton is. Like there's always going to be one breakout coach who kind of, you know, makes himself known as this outgoing, gregarious, boisterous guy. He seemed perfect for that. And they didn't really put him in the spotlight a lot. Not that I'm like crying up, staying up late and not crying about it, but I just would have liked to see more of it. And I would have liked to see more Michael Clemens, although just because he, I mean, he had bribed a training camp shirtless with a, with a bat wrapped in barbed wire, like a psychopath. 
Like I need maybe maybe that's on HBO because I'm looking at Michael Clemens. He obviously would not on purpose give them anything to work with because he's just a very reserved, quiet guy generally, and he just has this menacing like aura about him. But I just I don't know. I would have liked to see more Michael Clemens. I know they had videos of him going around like barking at people. I'm like, okay, so this guy's just like straight up nuts. It's like that. This guy's just crazy. But again, he's a defensive lineman. That's what you want. I definitely think the one thing, if I could have changed anything about this season, is that I wish they focused more on those back of the roster players. This very much felt like kind of like, I don't know, a puff piece. Is that the right thing to say? It felt like an amplified version of one Jets drive, which is fine. That's great. And as a Jets fan, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But it was really kind of focusing on here's Aaron Rodgers. They did a lot of stuff on Sauce Gardner early. They did some Garrett Wilson stuff. It was a lot of focus on the prominent players. Tanzel Smart was really the only kind of like back of the roster guy that got main spotlight. I mean, we saw some Xavier Gibson later in the season and obviously Jason Brownlee had his moment in that last episode, but I really wish they focused on those guys. And I think part of it was because they didn't want basically people to get attached to these players because they couldn't show them getting cut. They couldn't really give a conclusion to their story. Like I wish they did some more stuff on Jerome cap with all the, the M and M stuff and the eight mile. They really could have, they really could have capitalized on that, but not no pun intended. Wow. Uh, (laughs) That was not intentional. I love 11 minutes and I've already (laughs) put my face in my hands three times. I'm (laughs) so happy that just happened. Um, Capped. No, not, not ruined it. That's it. That's all. It's over. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) better than your Freudian slip. The other episode. Oh, dude, I think about that every time I say the words hard knocks now, I, I swear to God. Um, but no, I do wish they showed more about Jerome Cap and did some more stuff with that. I think, again, part of it was because they didn't really have a conclusion for it. So if he gets cut, all they could do, like really what they did in that last episode was just showing guys leaving the, the facility. That's really with their stuff in the bag. That's really all they did. Uh, but maybe I that's probably why, because they're like, we don't want to get you invested in a guy who's going to get cut. And then you just <laughs> you watched all that stuff about him essentially for no no payoff because then he's just gone. Yes, but then look what they did with Tanzel Smart because they still had payoff with him. Like even if he wasn't re-signed to the practice squad, which he was, and they showed that happening, they still I think went to his house, I believe, and you know he was standing there with his daughter in his arm, and they're they're talking to him, and he's really distraught about getting cut. You could still show that side of it without shoving a camera in their face when the moment is happening, and I think that is kind of a line that they didn't they didn't fully they didn't fully explore that that aspect of it Uh, another thing that i really really wish they did and i'm honestly shocked that they didn't because if you go back two months ago and we're talking about hard knocks and one of the things we're expecting to see i expected to see a ton of makai becton content i expected to see a bunch about his road to recovery his redemption arc because there's so much there like there's so much you could tell i mean the dude is about to go out there on monday night and play his first regular season game in front of jets fans he's never done that before How do you not explore that at all? How do you not talk to him about that? Really, all they did was show brief interactions between him and Aaron Rodgers. Like, that was basically it. There was very little on his road to redemption. And I think that's something they really should have explored more, especially seeing how positively it all progressed. It would have been perfect to tell because, you know, the dude didn't – he didn't have any setbacks this summer. He he basically – progressed up the depth chart and is now the week one starter. I think it went better than anybody could have hoped for Mekhi Becton this summer. So I really would have loved to see that explored on top of, of course, as you mentioned, Rod Middleton, uh, uh, Michael Clemens, some of the like the characters on the roster. Honestly, I wish Michael Carter had more screen time because that dude's hilarious. There's a bunch of dudes that I definitely wish were spotlighted more. Um, but like I said, it kind of it felt like 
an amplified version of one Jets drive, which is great content. I had a great time watching the Jets just kind of laugh and fool around. All the Broadway antics last night were really, really fun. Just all of that stuff was great to see. I just wish they kind of shed more light on some of the under the radar guys. Yeah, I could see that. But again, like I was, I'm pretty pleased with the season, mostly because it void. I mentioned earlier, one of my big concerns was the cut thing, just because I think that's mean spirited. Then that's gone. That was gone. And then the other thing, too, is I felt like sometimes those shows can be deceptively shot and edited in a way where, you know, they could kind of make something out of nothing, maybe take some weird quote or storyline and make it more inflammatory. We've seen that in the past with a couple different teams. And we didn't really get any of that. I know this felt like almost like state run propaganda or something like that to mm-hmm. to a degree. But, you know, I, I enjoyed the Jets state run propaganda. It was entertaining. So, yeah, it, it, in totality. This season was pretty harmless, I think, in a good way. And I'll take harmless for the Jets this season. Right. And I, I want to get to a comment here from Jimmy in chat who kind of says a similar thing where he's, he's talking about, he said, one thing that I enjoy watching previous Hard Knocks was getting a view in the front office. Think of the Revis contract scenario when the, from the first appearance or just basic roster crunch debate with coaches. Yeah, and I think it was inevitable that the Jets were just not going to have some of that shown. Like Joe Douglas was – basically a hidden figure for most of this season. Uh, we saw him obviously in in the last episode kind of talking to Brownlee and Gibson, but he was really behind the scenes. Like he was not the figurehead. And that, again, I think part of that just comes from his personal experience on the show back in 2001, which 22 years ago, that's kind of crazy, uh, that he was on the very first season of Hard Knocks and now the most recent. Um, so I, I think that part of that was just inevitable. I guess I do, you know, it is nice as a fan to get some of those those discussions. And I know One Jets Drive has done that a little bit, especially with like their draft stuff, where you see a little bit of those draft conversations. But you could definitely tell this was a heavily edited version of Hard Knocks. The Jets and specifically NFL Films, HBO, they weren't going to put anything out there other than really like the only thing that made the Jets look bad or had any negativity about the Jets was the offensive line stuff. And that was only a focus for like what one episode, right? And, and that you, was you need some conflict. You need you something need some to not conflict. go right. Right. But, and that, that was pretty much it, which I know if you compare that to other hard, not, I mean, imagine remember the one with the Raiders, like how much conflict oh the God, negativity yeah. was then. And obviously that with the Raiders were prime. Who was the coach then for the, Was that? It was Gruden. That was, that Gruden. was Gruden. Oh yeah. That was the first Gruden, Gruden year. Oh yeah. That was a Gruden. mess. That was Gruden. That was and the then whole we saw how that whole thing ended up. <laughs> yep. That was the whole Antonio Brown thing. There was so much. I mean, now oh, you, right. can, you oh. can do another thing on the Raiders now because the Chandler Jones stuff, Josh McDaniels, it honestly feels not too dissimilar. But uh, <laughs> he, he wouldn't he wouldn't play because he didn't have the right helmet or something like that. that yeah, was, and his foot, the, the frozen foot with Antonio Brown. I mean, feet. Oh my god, yelling at Mike Mayock. That was yeah, so thank God the Jets didn't have any of that. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the Raiders came out of that looking awful. The Jets, I think, came out of this hard knocks like completely unscathed. And if anything, it made them look really good. I think one thing that they did a really, really good job of capturing, and sure, maybe some of this was edited. I'm sure it was. But I think they did a great job of capturing the the positive vibe and the chemistry in that Jets locker room and really just the Aaron Rodgers effect. Obviously, this season was always going to focus on Aaron Rodgers, and he was the, the main character. He was the focal point. But you really got a sense for the vibe of just like, how much this organization has changed with Aaron Rodgers now on the team and just the positivity in that locker room. And I think that starts with the coaching staff, excuse me, and then it goes to Aaron Rodgers and it goes to, to all of the players, the entire locker room. It just seems like it's a great, it's a great time. Like it seems like there's positive vibes all around. And obviously the long arduous course of an NFL season can change that, but I think it did a really good job of capturing that. And honestly, I've seen a lot of positive reception online from people saying, Hey, I'm not a Jets fan, but I'm going to root for the Jets this year because 
Aaron Rodgers seems cool. This team seems really fun and likable. And I'm glad that the rest of the NFL is kind of seeing that now because it's something that we've we've seen really with this Jets roster, I think, since Robert Sala got here is kind of a change in that positive aura and that vibe. And obviously it's gotten better over the years. And now just bringing Aaron Rodgers in is kind of like the cherry on top. So I think of anything that they if anything that they did best, Hard Knocks, I think it was kind of capturing the vibe of the Jets locker room. Well, now Hard Knocks is done and it's it's game time. No more no more happy stories about, you know, hey, look at this fun backup defensive lineman. It is pedal to the metal time. Specifically, it's going to pedal is going to hit the metal on Monday when the Jets take on the Buffalo Bills who are still probably the favorites in the AFC East and I think are slight betting favorites over yeah, the Jets in week I think 1. They're two and a half five or two and a half point uh, favorites on the road. So definitely oh, so the like, Jets would be down five and a half at yeah. Buffalo. That yeah. is gotta prove like it. That. You, you got you gotta prove it. You have to prove it on the field. That's all I, it comes down to. I guess so because I'm looking at Buffalo and on top of the fact that I think this is just one of two reasons I think that maybe the the Bills are gonna stop the Jets thing is slightly over dramatized for two reasons. Number one, I think the the aura, the mystique of the Bills really got punctured when Joe Burrow in Buffalo in the snow. I mean, that's when the Bills want you. Just ripped them apart. Just completely dismantled them. And I think they said, all right, you know, Josh Allen's great. Sean McDermott, I know, has had some criticism, but I think generally he's a pretty good coach. I like their roster 1-53. to That's all true. But you know what? Like, when, when are we going to get some postseason wins out of this? I think they're finally starting to ask that, and I or not postseason wins, rather you know, deeper runs, Super Bowl stuff. Allen Stone's been to a Super Bowl. I think because of that, the fear factor is slightly diminished, especially too because the Jets beat Josh Allen with Zach Wilson. So if they could beat him with Zach Wilson and a largely the same team. Why well, it stands the reason they could beat him with Aaron Rodgers. So that's number one. Number two, I'm looking at this roster just like position unit by position unit. This might be one of the most top heavy ones in in the league. I mean, obviously you got Allen who if you take out Mahomes, you can make an argument Allen is, you know, the number 2 quarterback in all of football and I I probably buy that argument if I'm being honest. Like that's the kind of talent you have. I look at their defense their front seven has some quite but I think the linebackers are still pretty good. Matt Milano, I think is one of the more underrated players in the league. I think Greg Russo is going to have a huge breakout year at Oliver's back. The secondary, you can make a case, is one of like the top three secondaries in the league. Tredavious White, tremendous corner. Kair Elam starting to come into his own. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, both of them back. Obviously, DeMar Hamlin is still there. And I thought, you know, he wasn't the starting safety going into the year, but I thought he played pretty well as a starter last year before, you know, what happened with DeMar Hamlin. So if you look at that secondary and a defensive back coach and a good defensive coach in Sean McDermott, a lot to be scared of. And then I look at the team and I go, wait a minute. They pretty much have one really good wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Other than that, it's a bunch of bunch of mid, I think I would say. Gabriel Davis is kind of in that Alan Lazard tier for me where I don't think he's really putting the fear of God in anybody. Offensive line, good to okay. Like, certainly not what you want. They've tried to add some guys. Osiris Torrance, I thought was a huge steal. But I'm still not really too scared of the offensive line, especially, too, because Allen's going to end up holding the ball a lot like he does. So Jets might be able to get home a little bit. Running running back room, they got Damian Harris, but he's projected to be the backup behind James Cook. So James Cook, I don't really think, is going to scare anybody. I mean, he's got to prove it like his brother Dalvin before we start getting really afraid of him there. 
like like the Bills are still they're really into and with no Von Miller too because Von Miller's hurt. So like the Bills, I still think should be. I don't have a problem with them being favored, but I think it's a closer matchup, and I think the division is closer than a lot of people are predicting. Yeah, I I don't have any problem with the Bills being favored because I just again I'm of the belief that the Jets have to prove it on paper right now. If you break down these rosters as you kind of just did. I think they're honestly very similar in in the way that they're constructed, the way that they're built. Both teams have a, have a if you want to call Aaron Rodgers elite at this stage, you probably can. I would still say I would say that the both teams have an elite quarterback. They both have an elite number one wide receiver. Look, I love Garrett Wilson. I'll still say Stephon Diggs is slightly better at this stage because Diggs is probably a top five receiver oh, in football. Sure. Yeah. But they're both elite number one receivers. And then after that, not a ton. I don't love Gabe Davis as a wide receiver too. I don't love Alan Lazard as a wide receiver too. Uh, both offensive lines have some question marks. I'm specifically questioning Spencer Brown at right tackle. He was not very good last year. Of course, they have Osiris Torrance, who's a rookie. We'll see what he can do. It is funny that both teams will be starting a Connor McGovern on the offensive line. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is the first time that the two Connor McGoverns have played each other, I think, because he's been in Dallas. And I don't think the Jets have played Dallas since McGovern entered the league, unless I'm wrong. On well, that. Was I that the Darnold that. year where he had that? That was 2019. Yeah was with that and I believe McGovern was drafted in 2020 the the Bills McGovern now so I think this is the first time they're playing each other also both teams have a defensive end named Lawson which is pretty funny they have a cook cousin like there's some similarities between these teams uh I also would say that both teams have pretty solid tight end rooms I'd give the Bills the slight edge there but there's nothing you know Conklin Uzama and Ruckert are nothing to scoff at uh the big edge that the Jets have on offense is the running back room because Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook is a significantly better running back duo than James Cook and Damian Harris. And I know Brees isn't fully healthy yet or, you know, he's going to be playing, but who knows what he's going to look like come week one. But that's still a significant edge for the Jets. And honestly, honestly, if the Jets offensive line plays to their potential, they have a higher ceiling than the Bills offensive line, without a doubt. Deion Dawkins is very good. Mitch Morris is an underrated player who, you know, again, like Mekhi Becton, has his own injury concerns. He's had a lot of concussions throughout his career. So there's there's some injury concerns there. But I think Spencer Brown is a weaker link on that Bills offensive line than anybody in the starting offensive line for the Jets. So if they play to their potential and they stay healthy, I think that Jets all-line should be better. And then going to the defense, the Bills' big edge that they have is at safety. Uh, obviously Jordan Poirier and Micah, Micah Hyde are one of, if not the best safety duo in the NFL. And for as optimistic as the Jets are about Tony Adams, and as much as they might think Jordan Whitehead will have a better year this year, they don't they don't compare to Hyde and Poirier. And it does sound like Hyde is going to play. Uh, Hyde is going to play. I know he had a, a slight injury scare today, but it sounds like he's going to play. Uh, whereas the advantage with the Jets is obviously cornerback. And that's no disrespect to Tredavious White, who definitely was still feeling the effects of his injury last year. He wasn't fully healthy. I'm excited to see what he can do now in an extra year removed from that ACL injury. Uh, but nobody touches the Jets cornerback room. Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, it's the best cornerback room in the NFL. And then they also obviously have the edge or front seven, especially with Von Miller out because, you know, I like Greg Rousseau and he had a really big game against the Bills or against the Jets last year. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what that Mackay Becton Greg Rousseau matchup is like. But you know, we're talking Quinn and Williams, we're talking Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson's playing, John Franco Myers. We don't have to list out all 10 of the Jets defensive linemen that are on this roster because they're all very good players. Uh, so I, I think that's where you have to give the Jets the edge is in that front seven and cornerback. But really, again, on paper, these rosters are pretty similar. It just comes down to the Jets haven't proved it yet. They haven't done it. They haven't proved it yet. And I also think teams are going to, or I guess analyst fans are still going to give the edge to Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers, just based on what each of them did last season. But hey, 
I, I think it's a very relatively even matchup on paper. The Jets should have serious home field advantage, which is something we haven't really been able to say about the Jets in a long time, because even when they've had these home games, I don't think the crowd has played a significant factor in a long time. Uh, and I'm really, really hoping that that changes on Monday. And if it does, maybe that could be the difference maker. Jimmy again points out in chat. Now, I forgot, not only did they beat the Bills with Zach Wilson, Mike White almost got broken in half, and they almost beat him in that game too. So I feel like the Jets are confident in how they can take on Buffalo, mostly because, as we've discussed before, Robert Sala's whole defensive infrastructure is – there's two kinds of ways that you could really succeed, I think, as a coordinator or a play caller. And there's either you could be – Kyle Shanahan or, you know, a defensive equivalent, maybe like a Sean McDermott, where they drive, they draw up all these, you know, crazy plays and blitzes and angles and just confusion, really show off their genius, for lack of a better word, you know, on that side of the ball. Just, you know, I, I have figured out to the last minute detail how to expose you. And then there's the Robert Sala. I think even really, even though he tinkers a lot, Belichick is sort of like this with his defense or a lot of the, in terms of offense, there's a lot of McVay does this a lot in terms of doing the same stuff over and over again. A lot of it's repetition and we're going to be very basic, not in a boring way, but like, you know, everybody knows how to do the exact same things. We're not going to throw too much on you. And we're going to execute it at a very high level over and over and over and over again. And as part of Robert Sala's system, like he's not doing Rex Ryan, bringing seven guys from all kinds of different angles. He is, we're going to rush four down linemen. We're going to have our safeties hang back. And you know what? If you don't like it, find a way to beat it. And part of the reason the Jets were so successful against the Bills last year was that defensive line was able to get home. So that also really limits Allen's scrambling ability because if he's scrambling and looking for time and they still got seven guys back down there and Gardner and Reed have digs under control, it really kind of takes some of the spectacular ad-libs out of Allen's game. So that, that I mean, obviously Buffalo is going to have a way to combat the Jets. I feel like they don't really respect the linebacking core a lot. We might see a lot of just short little quick darts over the middle, so that way the pass rush can't get home. So they're, they're obviously going to have a plan for it. I like their coaching staff generally. I think Ken Dorsey's a little iffy, but he's, he's all right. Mm. But I think the Jets are not scared of Buffalo, whereas you know last year, I think really before they beat them, Buffalo had this fear factor about them. That's not there anymore. And as Brian points out too, uh, Becton and Russo, because Becton was at Louisville and Russo was at Miami. I think he sat out too, uh, faced off before. I wonder how that matchup went. Uh, I got some bad news for you. I just looked up the stats for that game too, because I saw that comment. Russo had no, stat, uh, no sacks in that game. Yeah, he didn't have any sacks, but no there, sacks. there was yeah. a lot of... He had 15 and a half sacks that year. He had zero sacks in that game and one tackle. I mean, I don't know if we're basing it off that. I don't have the tape in front of me, but hey. If I remember correctly, I think Russo had a couple pressures. But anyway, he it was all he was all right. It was it was a good game for Beckton, a good game for Russo. Let's let's leave it at that. But uh yeah, obviously not having Von Miller too is a, a huge game changer because Von Miller not only was a Jets nemesis from when he was in Denver. Like he always seemed to get home too, but even in his advanced age, like they gave Von Miller what, like a six-year contract or something like that. Yes, yeah, at like age that. thirty-two, coming off an injury, like that's how much they value what he can bring to that defense. I know Leonard Floyd is a good player still, and obviously they're banking a lot on on Russo, but not having him against Mackay Becton, like if you're Mackay Becton, would you rather play Von Miller or would you rather play Leonard Floyd? I I don't think he'd even hesitate for a second. 
Yeah. I, I, what's interesting too, is I believe Russo had a really good game against the Jets last year. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he had a couple sacks in the game that not the Zach Wilson game, but the other one, the, the one that the Jets lost. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember him being pretty good in that one. I think he, I think he had a strip sack on Flacco actually, because I'm pretty sure Flacco was also in that game. Cause that was the game. Yeah. Cause White got hurt and then Flacco's hurt. first pass, he got picked. Yes, and I was, yeah. so I'm pretty sure Greg Russo kind of wreck, wreck, wreaked havoc, wrecked, wrecked havoc, wreaked havoc. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but I, I really am interested. Call in some see- shit to go down. That's what you yeah, have to say. Exactly, <laughs> exactly that. I'm really interested to see that matchup between him and Mackay Becton. Again, we you know we did see it in 2019, but now in the NFL, Becton playing a different position because he was playing left tackle back then in Louisville, and Russo now playing, I guess, would be uh, left defensive end. Interested to see how that goes down, and I love that you brought up that the Jets are not afraid of the Bills. And I love this is another takeaway from Hard Knocks is the attitude in that locker room has changed. And I think that Robert Sala's speech in that last episode was the – the I, I, he had a lot of speeches throughout the season. I think that was my favorite speech where he was like, I don't want to hear the shit about, oh, you played hard, you know, you, you fought hard, because that means you lost the goddamn game. That means you lost. That means you were the worst team. You did not play good football. You played hard. They don't want to hear that. The Jets don't want to hear that. And everyone's talking, oh, the Jets have a hard schedule to start the year. They have to play the Chiefs. They have to play the Bills. They have to play all these really good teams. They have to play the Jets, too. And that's the mindset that that the Jets have now. That's the mindset that everyone in that organization should have. Because the Jets, on paper, have one of the best rosters in football. They should be competing for a Super Bowl this year. They're probably not the favorites, but they are one of the best teams in the NFL. And when teams see the Jets on their schedule, they should be afraid. The Jets shouldn't be going into this Bills game saying, oh, we got to play the Bills. The Bills should be looking at it and saying, dang, that's that's a tough draw. We got to play the Jets week one. That sucks. We could have played the Patriots. We could have played anybody. But we have to play the Jets. And I think that attitude shift is going to go a long way towards establishing the Jets as legitimate contenders this season. If they can go into each one of those games with that mindset, that's huge because that's half the battle already. And like you said, some of that aura is already kind of broken because – the Jets did beat the Bills last year. It was their first win against the Bills since 2020, I believe. They, I think they beat them in 2020. Um, Wait, no, that was the two. 2020 was. 2019. 2019, 2019 I'm sorry. Yeah. 2020, they won. They didn't beat anybody in 2020. Yeah, 2019. Except for the Rams that cost them Trevor Lawrence, except that was for the, that. That was the 2019 game where, what was it? Oh, Matt Barkley started, right? Yeah, that was that. That doesn't even count. So yeah. That barely counts. Have they, they haven't beaten Josh Allen since his rookie season. So and that, like that, that that aura, hour they hadn't until last year. So that aura right. has now been shattered, uh, and I think that that goes a long way. So I, I love that you brought up the attitude shift. I think that that is incredibly important when we're talking about this matchup. One thing I'm interested too, because look, I I, I get really irritated at some of the way that the way Sauce Gardner, our buddy Sauce Gardner, is discussed, especially friend because of the pod, friend of the pod, Sauce Gardner, friend of the podcast, Sauce Gardner, the you know, defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year candidate where like one bad rep where Stefan Diggs beat him like on the first play of yep. that game. And that now to be fair to the the critic, like DJ Reed was on him a lot, but that was not like, oh, that we're we're afraid of him and that like they didn't mix up coverages a lot. A lot of it too is Salah's a San Francisco guy and he was also a Seattle guy beforehand. They leave corners on one side of the field a lot of the time mm-hmm. and sometimes Diggs just Went up against DJ Reed a lot. Like, Jets can do that. They have the luxury of being able to do that yeah. because they don't only have Sauce Gardner. They have DJ Reed. Exactly. Awesome. I just, I'm interested to see how how they go at Diggs right now because I feel like like if you're a fantasy guy and you didn't get Stefan Diggs, I feel like this year is you could really miss out. I feel like they're going to try and break the receptions record with, with Stefan Diggs this year. So I'm interested to see how they attack him. I don't know. Maybe this is kind of where Tony Adams maybe steps up to maybe – not make it so friendly over the middle for him. 
I think that could be where he comes in. I feel like they're going to really throw everything at him until they prove that Gabe Davis or I think Khalil Shakir is their number three right now. Who and I love Khalil Shakir at, at, in college at Boise State, so I don't know, but. Yeah, Deontay Hardy, who's what, like five foot four or something? Like, <laughs> I think he's like five seven or five eight. But yeah, yeah, he's their slot, I believe. I think he's technically their starting slot. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm not. I know this is going to be old takes exposed, and I I get that, but you know, I'm not super afraid. You know, by the way, you know what? I got to say this: old takes exposed. Like, all right, calm down. Like. <laughs> Some of the takes on there where it's like, I think Aaron Rodgers will be good. And then four months later after he throws a pick. Oh, ha ha. Like, all right. That's they abuse their power. A lot of old takes exposed. They got the jet press the other day. I don't know if you saw this. I don't, oh, I don't no. know. They, it was, it was Look, I can't take any blame for this. Cause this was before I was running the site, but it was an article from 2017 where the author said that Nathan Peterman was the best quarterback in his draft class. Oh no! Fair. I've seen that one circle a lot, like that circulate a lot. I've seen that a lot, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I hate that the jet press is associated with that. Hey, <laughs> I, I can't take any blame. It was before the jet press. Before I was running jet press, I wasn't at the site yet. So wait that's a minute, my, wasn't my, that wasn't that the Mahomes year? 2017. 2017 was the Mahomes year. The, the oh show, no! Year. Yeah, man. Oh brother, can we like delete that? <laughs> honestly i don't know if it's still up on the site i i it probably, better not be <laughs> it probably is you guys can go flood that article now uh but i'm pretty pretty sure it's still up on the site but but, but, but anyway uh i want to get your thoughts on what you think the game's going to be prediction wise because in mm. my mind i'm just envisioning what's going to happen i'm going to say i'm going to say jets 24 bills 20 mm. so that's fair because i just feel like Although the I, I really am bullish on the Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook uh, running back room. I feel like they're going to come out. I think both of them are probably going to end up with, let's say, 120 yards between the both of them. I'm really expecting a big game from them. Uh, there'll be enough for Rodgers. I think he might struggle a little bit earlier. I mean, you know, first game with the new team. Nathaniel Hackett, he's coming back. He's not everything may not be, you know, 100%. All the gears are spinning right. It's still a really tough defense. I think Tredavious White is going to be Tredavious White again, which might make it hard for Garrett Wilson, which means guys like Alan Lazard or Michael Hardman or Randall Cobb, they're going to all have to probably step up to some degree. So, you know, I'm not saying the Jets are going to run away with it. And obviously Allen is immensely talented enough to where just by, you know, the vengeful finger of the football gods, he's going to get one or two crazy plays where he ends up with crazy touchdowns. That, that just happens. You got to account for that. It's like Tom, Tom Brady's going to end up with, you know, 250 and a touchdown at least. Like, just start the game imagining that he's going to do that. But even with all that considered, I just really am bullish on this defense. I think they're going to have a hard time running the ball because of this deep defensive line and a Bills offensive line that is by no means that scary. So, I don't know. I'm going to imagine a, a, a quick four-point win to start off to the, the Aaron Rodgers there. Now they're going to get killed by 30 now that I said that, but <laughs> that's what I'm imagining. Okay. I'm going to balance out the juju. I'm going to balance it out, and I'm going to predict, predict the Jets' loss just for the sake of the football gods so they don't right, – we're, we're hedging our bets here. Okay. We're hedging our bets, and I'm going to predict the Jets' loss because, again, I the Jets need to prove it. I can't pick them to beat the Bills until they show me that – I mean, I know they beat them last year. I'm aware of that. But I need to see now that this is a different Jets team, that this is a Jets team that are they're serious contenders. I'm going to say – I'm going to say 21-16 Bills win. I think three Greg Zerline field goals and only one Jets touchdown. I think week one just generally tends to favor defenses, specifically 
offenses where you have a new quarterback and a new offensive system. I know it's very similar to the system they ran last year, but it's still a new system tend to struggle more. Obviously there's caveats because it's not a system that Aaron Rodgers is unfamiliar with. They have Alan Lazar, they have Randall Cobb. These guys are very familiar with the system, but I still think the offense might struggle more than we expect week one, specifically when it comes to the offensive line, because they just have not had a lot of time to play together. And that's really my biggest concern. I do think the Jets defense will hold up very well. It's basically they're running it back with the same unit that they had last year for the most part. So I think this will be a defensive game more than people probably realize. I know the attention's on Aaron Rodgers, on Dalvin Cook's making his debut, and what can Josh Allen do? Like, all the attention's on that. I really think this is going to be more of a defensive battle than people realize. I'm going to predict my boy Greg Zerline gets three field goals. He goes three for three, nails like a 57-yarder, but the Jets still lose 20 to six, 21 to 16. That's going to be my prediction. But, hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you are right because I want to see this Jets team go 1-0. I want to do – we're we going to talk about this at the end of the show too. We're going to be streaming live after every game this season. So I want to come on after that game – and come on and talk about a Jets win. I don't want to talk about a Jets loss. I want to talk about, hey, the Jets just went out on Monday Night Football on the, the anniversary of 9-11 in front of a, a national audience and just beat the Bills. And, and, and made those sweet-ass fake throwback uniforms that should be the primary uniforms? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say that. I want to be able to say that. I'm not going to predict it, but it's partially because I want to be able to say it. So there you go. That's my prediction. That's what I'm saying is going to happen. All right, so now uh, as we get into our final segment here, I believe, Justin, don't you have a little message from our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook? That I do because, friends, Caesar Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season with a new bet $50, get $250 in bonus bets. That's a great deal. It's a limited-time offer, too. New users, new users can sign up with our code FSBETS20GET and redeem $250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Make sure to enter our code FSBETS20GET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season. That's code FS20, FSBETS20GET. That is fsbets two zero. G-E-T. It was a mouthful. I know it's also on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Mike, let's get into our bold predictions. Let's get into our bold predictions. Uh, may I have this dance first? Because I have one related to the Jets record. It actually is part of a little experiment because I have a ton of free time on my hands. I went and I did kind of like a mock season by like, all right, let me we figure out what each team's going to do. And the Jets did not win the division uh, in this exercise. The Bills went 12-5, and five, and they won the division, and they earned the number two seed because Baltimore actually surprised and got a wild card and had the number three seed. Cincinnati was in there too. But the Jets, I don't know how bold this is, but this is my thought. They went 11-6, and six, which I think is perfectly reasonable. Seems about right especially with the Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers improvement. Like I know pe- people are saying, oh, the Jets have blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think people can really comprehend, even in this state, the improvement from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. Like everybody knows it's big. I feel like people don't realize how far off the reservation Zach Wilson was last year. And how even if he's compromised, how much better Aaron Rodgers is. So if you just put that in, I'd say 11 and 6. Because of that, they got the best wild card spot. They beat the Jaguars, who narrowly beat up the Titans, who I'm actually very high on this year. I think the Titans will be better than a lot of people think. Really? Okay. I mean, 
they were seven and ten, but I mean they were like zero and five when it was Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs. Like when Tannehill played, they were still pretty good. Uh, Tannehill is the most average quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And I know people have said that about other guys. Like he almost won the MVP that first year. How crazy yeah, he was, he, was pretty, he was pretty good that year. I also, think, I also think Vrabel's like a top five coach. In the I think he's an amazing coach. And I also think a lot of the offensive success they had earlier, obviously Derrick Henry, but Arthur Smith had a lot to do with that too. But Right. You know, and then they, they shot I mean, DUI Todd Downing, who mm-hmm. would you believe it is with the Jets now? So I don't know yeah. if I like that. But uh, yeah, so they would upset the Jets. I guess it's an upset, five over four. I don't know. They beat the Jaguars. And then things get a little bit kooky because then they got to go play the Chiefs. Oh, divisional round matchup against the Chiefs. In in Arrowhead. In Arrowhead. There you go. That's where where the season might end kind of thing. That's why that division is so important because if you swap Buffalo and the Jets and they just win the first game, which I believe would be against uh, Cincinnati or Baltimore, then you would just play the whoever of Cincinnati or Baltimore – wins that division and those are both two very dangerous teams i mean the Bengals keep going on these playoff runs and i think with todd monk and lamar jackson is going to be a much more of a threat that way they're not going to throw, throw outs to pat ricard who's a 300 pound fullback like greg roman did last year like but that they're just in a different realm compared to kansas City, especially in arrowhead i mean you you really gotta you really gotta bring your a game for that so that's kind of where i think the jets are going to end up uh are going to end up this year. I don't know how bold that is, but that's my prediction. And uh, actually, Jimmy in the chat has a bold prediction of his own where he says uh, they're going to make a trade for the deadline for a D lineman and fans freak out because they want a receiver or an O lineman. Look, I would not put it past Robert Sala because this dude collects defensive linemen. It's like Belichick and running backs. Like Belichick always has like five running backs on the roster and he keeps adding new ones. If, if Robert Sala, if he wanted to, and they, they didn't have roster rules, you would have an entire defensive defensive lineman. You would run like an old school, like the when they have seven down linemen, like the what do they call it? The uh, like a seven two two, like college yeah. football in the nineteen tens. He would do that if you wanted to. Really quick, uh, I know one defensive lineman they're not going to be trading for because Nick Bosa just got a, a five year extension with the Niners, so they locked him up. So he is oh. staying in San Francisco. I know there was the the rumors. I think it was started by Reddit that the Jets could be trading for Nick Bosa. That is not happening. Who was uh, saying that? There was a there was like a uh, so the Christian McCaffrey trade was leaked by some guy on Reddit and apparently that same guy I think this might have been disproven but that same guy was saying that the Jets were going to trade for Nick Bosa uh, obviously well, Rappaport just tweeted that the Niners extended with Joey Bosa and not Nick Joe, Bosa did he did he really <laughs> I got freaked out for a second I'm like well they got Joey too <laughs> he did that's so funny that's that's uh, really funny hundred and twenty two point five million in guarantees. That, that is a lot of scratch, insane. man. Highest paid defensive player in history. Woo! I mean, after that year, I Woo. mean, what do you think I Sauce Gardner? What do you think Sauce Gardner is getting after years? Because that's going to be. Oh, it's I mean, be- it's cornerback to. The, I mean, are cornerbacks typically corners get paid a lot? Like, what's the highest paid corner right now? I think it's Jalen Ramsey. Is it Jalen Ramsey? Uh, in terms of total value, it's actually Denzel Ward by five hundred k. Uh, oh wow! Over over Ramsey, which that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Just, he just got paid though too. And Ramsey, you're actually wild. right. It's it's they should be paid more. That's crazy. The highest one is making over just about twenty million a year. That's nuts. Like that's actually nuts because you got like uh like guys like like 
Christian Wilkins is asking for like 25 million a year. And you're going to tell me he's more valuable than every cornerback in football. That's insane. Like no shot. That's insane. Anyway, sorry. We're getting off track. <laughs> we're getting way off track. Sorry about that. So your bold prediction, Justin. Yes, that's right. I, I like Jimmy's bold prediction there. I totally think that that's very possible. Again, like you said, with this Jets team, you can never rule out them just making another move for defensive linemen because this is this is Robert, Robert Salas team and he will always add defensive linemen. I'm going to go for a bold prediction about as going to be a statistical prediction here. And it's not going to be one that I think Jets fans are super happy to hear. I'm not going to be like, oh, they're missing the playoffs or whatever. It's not going to be like doomsday or whatever. It's going to be that I think Randall Cobb is going to be the second leading wide receiver on the team. Not in terms of like, not like ahead of Tyler Conklin, but in terms of all wide receivers in receiving yards, I think Cobb finishes second behind Garrett Wilson. That is my bold prediction. I think we've just seen him climbing up the depth chart a lot this summer. And it already seems like he is going to be your, your starting slot receiver. I don't know how many snaps he's going to play. He played 44% last year in green Bay. I think he's going to play more with the jets, probably looking at more closer to like 55%. You know, I, again, I expect the jets to run a lot of 22 or of 12 personnel. They're going to have uh, the two tight ends out there. Uh, I also think they're going to have some formations where they have both running backs out there as well. So I'm not sure how many times they're going to have all three or their three starting wide receivers, but I still think there's a really good shot, a really good chance that Cobb, because of that Aaron Rodgers effect, outpaces Alan Lazard in receiving yards. And I'm just not super high on Lazard. I, I've said it a lot. I really hope he proves me wrong because I've, I've kind of shit talked him a lot this offseason. So I, I really do hope he goes out there and puts up like a thousand yards and, and shuts me up. But I could see him finishing with like, 450 500 yards and Cobb getting okay that's hard 500 and like Cobb getting like 500 550 well because I think I think Wilson's gonna have legit probably 1500 yards that's my prediction for him is gonna be around 1400 1500 yards I think Cobb is gonna be second with like 650 700 probably is what you're looking at at that stage and then maybe Brees or, or Dalvin Cook finishes third I'm not sure there's a lot of mouths to feed maybe it is Randall Cobb that finishes third I, I don't know. I just, I'm not super optimistic about Alan Lazard. I'm not sure how many targets he's going to get. Honestly, honestly, a large part of this is because I expect Garrett Wilson to legit lead the league in targets this season. So I don't know what there's going to be for everyone else. Uh, but that's, that's my prediction. It's a bold prediction for a reason. It's my bold prediction for a reason. I'm, I'm not as high on, on Conklin as you either. I think he's like the platonic idea. Like you were talking about like, oh, I think this guy Tannehill is the most average quarterback. Tyler Conklin's the most average tight end. In the okay. entirely blocks okay, catches okay, kind of tough, kind of fast. He, he's just a guy, and I think part of last year, Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, just like maybe it's like young quarterback, tight end, safety valve kind of thing. I feel like he targeted him more than like a, an, a veteran like an Aaron Rodgers would have in the same sort of situations. Possibly. So I, I think Conklin, he'll have an okay year, but I'm just not super high on any of the tight end. I don't think the Jets are. That's why I think they drafted Rucker and Koonst and Yaboa still kind of. And we're considering they were considering Kincaid as well. And we're considering Kincaid. So I don't think they love Conklin either. I think they think he's just kind of okay. Uh, Yeah, Cobb would surprise me if only because, for me personally, uh, like I'm higher on Lazard than most, and I'm higher on Hardman than most. I really think that Hardman got done kind of dirty in Kansas City. Felt like he was never really like he. He was in a limited role, then he finally got a chance to show it, and then he got hurt. So he couldn't really couldn't really flex his muscles. And I know obviously every time you leave Patrick Mahomes, there's a downgrade, but he'll still I think he'll play a bigger role than some expect. 
I wouldn't be saying this if I thought that Nicole Harbin was going to get more snaps than Randall Cobb. I, I believe he should be because I believe he is a better player than Rand, than Randall Cobb. It just certainly sounds like Nicole Harbin is the number four receiver going into the year. Maybe that changes as the season progresses. Obviously, injuries will also will throw everything for a loop because injuries are going to happen. They're inevitable. So any pr- predictions we have, any statistical predictions are probably going to be thrown out the window once injuries happen. But I just think that Randall Cobb is going to probably play more than Jets fans want him to and expect him to. Uh, and that's that's why I have him there. But to be fair, I do also agree that Nicole Hartman is a better receiver than Randall Cobb. And I also think Alan Lazard is better than Randall Cobb. This isn't me saying that Cobb is better than either of them because he's not. Lazard is a, a high-end wide receiver three, in my opinion. Hardman is a borderline three or four. Cobb's a four or five at this stage. That's kind of where I have them in my head. Um, but yeah. My my other bold prediction. I want to lean into a, what a the eloquently la- named Osmosis Jones. I remember liking that movie when I was a kid. You said the offensive line needs to put in the work. Rogers needs the protection. Well, the offensive line's got to feature heavily in my. God, I can't stop thinking about Osmosis Jones the movie right now with, with Chris Rock and I think William Shatner was like a police chief, white blood cell. It was it was Bill Murray was in it too. It was it was a, it was a fun time, sure. but. Uh, Getting back to the offensive line, uh, they're going to play a big role in my next prediction, which is related to the running backs. Because I don't know about a 1,000 yards rushing for both Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook just because of how much they're going to throw the ball and how much Aaron Rodgers is going to rack up. And again, Rodgers himself always ends up with like 200-ish rushing yards a year in terms of just scrambles. Like he just ends up doing that. But a 1,000 yards from scrimmage for both of them, I feel is perfectly realistic. Like Hall, we know what he can be. Obviously, he's coming off an injury. Hasn't proven a ton in this league, but I think every Jets fan is pretty high on Brees Hall and what he can bring to the table. And Dalvin Cook, I mean, the home run hitting ability is there, but part of why the Jets were so interested in Dalvin Cook, good pass catcher. He just didn't really get to show it off as much once Kevin O'Connell took over for for Minnesota, but now he's going to Nathaniel Hackett, who was Mr. Split the Load Evenly, Mr. Two Running Back System. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, of course, a good example of that in Green Bay. They're not really as complimentary as those two. I think they're both, you know, speedy home run hitter guys, but expect a lot of dump offs to Dalvin Cook in the flat and expect a lot of big Brees Hall runs this year if the offensive line holds up. Yeah, I think that that's totally a fair prediction. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit before the show, and I, I completely agree. Honestly, I don't even know how bold that is. I think there's a very, very good shot that both of those guys end up with two with a thousand yard scrimmage, not rushing because rushing is a lot to have two 1000 yard rushers. you got to be running the ball a ton. And I just, I don't think their jets are going to be able to run it that much, but Eric Henry averaged like 130 a game when he did 200. So yeah, yeah you basically have to do 130 a game from both of them, which is nuts. with Aaron Rodgers. Like hey, that's yeah. <laughs> right. Which is nuts, but scrimmage yards totally think that that's very possible. And honestly, I'd say like, I wonder what the line would be on that because I would say like, there's a really good shot that that happens. I don't even know how, how bold that is. Uh, but I think it's a really good prediction, and I completely agree with you there. I'm going to stick with my my second and final prediction. I'm also going to stick with the offensive line with, you know, talking about them. And, and if they reach their ceiling, my bold prediction, I think the Jets finished with a top 10 offensive line this season. And I know that's kind of crazy to think about, given the the narrative over the last month or so, because every everything we've heard is, oh, the Jets' offensive line is struggling and all this. Mekhi Becton is now starting. Mekhi Becton has already shown that he's a significantly better player than Billy Turner and Max Mitchell, and he has not started a career game at right tackle yet. 
Let this dude get his feet under him. Let him play the entire season. And I think this, you know, obviously health matters here. If Becton can stay healthy, this is assuming Dwayne Brown can stay healthy. That's the prediction here. If guys can stay healthy. But if this Jets offensive line reaches their ceiling, I think they're a top 10 offensive line. Dwayne Brown is my biggest question mark outside of Mekhi Becton and his health health issues because Dwayne Brown was fine last year's last season. He was fine and he played the entire season with a, a was it a torn rotator cuff in his shoulder. Uh, I really want to see what he can do at this stage of his career when he's healthy because he was, I would say, close to a league average player last year and he played the entire year with a torn rotator cuff. Obviously, the dude's 38 years old. So, you know, father time catches up to everybody. But I really think he could be at, at worst a league average left tackle when healthy. Lakin Tomlinson was not good in this first season with the Jets. I don't believe that he suddenly forgot to play football, and I think we've talked about that on the show. I think he'll be better this year, especially if he doesn't have a revolving door at uh, uh, basically the other offensive line spots around him because the Jets' offensive line was historically injured last season. I believe it was football outsiders, like they have their adjusted games lost measure since they've been tracking that. I believe the Jets' offensive line was either first or second in terms of most adjusted games lost in a specific offensive line position unit. So, like, yeah, I hope where that where was that at? Was it football, uh, football, outsiders? football outsiders? They do like adjusted games lost. Oh, they did, and they just got killed. Unfortunately, oh, they did. They previously yeah, are they, football outsiders because of greed, private equity people. And you, I, I got to. It yeah. ruined a perfectly good football site that everybody it was loved. A really good football site, yeah, and th- I really enjoy. I really like their adjusted games loss. So that that kind of speaks volumes to how injured that Jets offensive line was last year. Connor McGovern, for as much shit as Jets fans give him, is a league average center. He is a yeah. fine player. I don't know if Joe Tippman's going to play this year, but if somebody goes down, whether it's Tomlinson, whether it's whether it's McGovern, or whether it's Vera Tucker, you can slot Tippman in there. And I think Vera Tucker. That's the 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 key to all of this because that Jets offensive line does not succeed without Elijah Vera Tucker. I've talked about this a lot this offseason. Everyone talks about when Brees Hall went down, how the Jets running game really kind of fell off a cliff. It was also because, and I would say even more so because Elijah Vera Tucker went down and he got hurt. Now that Elijah Vera Tucker is healthy and that entire Jets offensive line seems to be like the arrow is pointing up going into the season. I think it's a real shot that if they reach their potential, if they stay healthy, they're a top 10 unit. Obviously, that's a lot of ifs because Mekhi Becton's played one game over the last two seasons. Expecting him to play 17 games is foolish, right? I really hope he does. I really, really hope he does for his sake, for the Jets' sake, but it's a lot to ask him. Dwayne Brown's 38, and he's coming off major shoulder surgery. Expecting him to play the full season is also foolish. I hope it happens, but we'll see. But I really think, I really think the talent is there for this Jets' offensive line to be really good. And hell, if this if this Jets' offensive line is top 10 in the NFL – they're probably, they're probably winning division at that stage because that'd be better than what Rodgers had with the Packers the last few years. I think. Yeah, and then a, a much better skill position group too because he's got Garrett Wilson. His, his number one last year was Alan Lazard. He had Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, like a lot better than what he had last year. And not not to not to mention the defense, right? So that's my prediction. That is my bold prediction. I hope it happens. I hope they stay healthy. I kind of gave like a negative one for the first one and had to balance it out with a positive one, but. I am a lot higher on the Jets off the line now that Mekhi Becton is starting. And with that, we are going to call time on this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are there. Make sure to subscribe. And also, if you're on iTunes, make sure to give us a five-star rating. I promise it is not for our ego. It is for business reasons to get up, up those charts. I swear that that is the reason. It is not to massage our egos. That is how you can support the show. And you can also find us on YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. Justin, I'm excited for week one. 
I am too. And just as another reminder, we will be streaming live after the game immediately following the Jets' hopeful victory over the Bills on Monday Night Football. It'll be a late stream, so stay up with us. We'll be streaming live after every Jets game this season. Yes, in chat, breaking news, Nick Bosa contract. We just talked about that, but thank you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download Jet Press Podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. As Mike was just saying, also check us out on YouTube, subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, TikTok, all that stuff. You guys know what to do at this point. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and now every week after the Jets play. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys on Monday. Go Jets.